What is up, Fly Suit Friday listeners? Friday. Yeah. What's up, Max? Hey, what's up, Nick? What's up, Rob? What's up, Rob? What's up, Max? And what's up, Nick? (laughs) I, uh... (laughs) Just chilling on this wonderful Friday, man. God, fantastic. Yeah. Weather's cooling down. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, you cannot beat it. Dude, it's it's felt good ripping some beers on that new porch that you uh, oh, finally got set yeah, in there, man. man. You know, grilling some meat, drinking some beers. Tell us about that new porch, bud. Well, I'll tell you what. You got to uh, watch these contractors out here. But uh, all in all, man, it turned out pretty good. Um, the outdoor space in Mobile has to be covered to enjoy it, though. I'll tell you oh, that. Yeah. So... Pretty excited about that. When you're ready for the bug guy, unless you already got one. Oh, you got, got a good. I got, got a, a bug, bug guy. guy. You got a good bug. Oh, we used your bug guy already. Okay. Yeah, man. He's got the little um, the the leaf blower yep. to connect this canister of chemicals. Yep. I talked to the guy the other day. He goes, "This kills everything." Yeah. And I was like, "That's not what I wanted to hear, <laughs> man." Like, including me. It's just mosquitoes. Do not breathe this in because you will die. Yeah. He's like, make sure you put your pets away for at least 15 minutes, man. Yeah. I was like, okay, dude, I don't have pets, but yeah. Like, what about me? Yeah. You know, he didn't no. care. You're bigger than a mosquito. It'll take a while. Yeah. yeah. Unless, unless you put your mouth over that nozzle and then suck it in. I think you'll be fine. Bud. <laughs> dude. Oh, all right. Well, must be my brain fog. Yeah. I think it does. This must be from all that mosquito spraying. Yeah. yeah. It's not COVID. No. And you're paying for it. Yeah. Um, pretty pumped. Me too. Because uh, because we have uh, a sixty pilot coming on this interview today. We're almost branching out. Yeah. What Slowly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Our toes, the our toes are just touching the cold water yeah. right now. Yeah. Although the background of this sixty pilot. Yeah, we'll does, let him, we'll let him talk about yeah. that. But I think we're uh, the overarching. Well, he peek behind the curtain. He was a sixty five pilot, but yep. I think we've been meaning to have this episode for a while. Talk about the sixty five to sixty transition because. If you're going to be in probably for the next 10 years, you're probably in the 65 pilot, you're probably going to end up flying the 60. That's the word, right? right? We, yep. we hear these rumors that there's going to be, you know, a number of air stations starting to switch over to sixties. Yeah. Right. I mean, amongst the three of us, yeah. we can probably recap, right. Uh, Miami, I think is on the list, right. Yep. Kodiak, the Alpat yep. mission, of course. Yeah. They're going to switch over to sixties from 65s. Ventura, Ventura that never County, was a maybe official like 65 unit, but right. it was just an air fact, but they're going to be sixties. Yeah. I think those are the big ones. And then of course, like everything else is on the table yeah. too. It's kind of interesting how they're picking all the cool places, isn't it? Like, it's hmm. yeah. Would think, you guys take a 60 transition? Let's say if you were asked in one year to go sixties, Yeah, I don't, are we, I, are we switching? I have no reason to say no. Yeah. Uh, I just learned the 65 echo. I this would be, yeah. well, this would be Rob's 12, probably fourth airframe, a including point. a trainer. Yeah. But trainer I, I am more willing to do the, ec- the transition right now because I know the echo. I think the cast system going from the dirty Delta to the 60 cast system would have been tough, but yeah, yeah I think, true. I think cast to cast would have been a lot easier. Um, and I guess, I guess the interviewee we have did do the Delta to the cast system. So that's, that's right. going to be some interesting questions. Yeah. For so him. he left, um, left his last, uh, operational unit as a 65 Delta pilot, yeah. went to grad school, came back yeah. and was told, Hey, we're going to make you a 60 guy now. Yeah. Would you so, do it? Would you do a 60 transition? Sure. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. I mean, no reason not? not to. Yeah. Um, you know, I think some people think of it as a, as a negative because you're, let's say you're, you know, a season 65 pilot and you do the 60 transition you're probably going to get bumped down to co-pilot basics are maybe first pilot, right? If they uh, figure out the, um, maybe an expedited sure. syllabus or something like that, 65 echo to 60 yep. first pilot. I don't know. I don't know if that's in the works or not, but 
I think a lot of people don't want to get knocked down, right? And then have to work their way back up. Sure. I would take that. Yeah. I will go make coffee yeah. and do the missile and do all the things as a co-pilot. I'd be okay with that. I, you would have made a fine DCA. That's the exact uh, attitude yeah. you got to come in with it as. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, you guys come yeah. in. DCAs. Yeah. You guys. DCAs. Um, what do you mean you guys? You get folks that <laughs> from, you know, thousands of hours in this other aircraft. Yeah. Come to the Coast Guard because yeah. the grass is greener on the other side. Yeah, and then you, you guys get, really have to start from the bottom because you get O4s. coming in as like an ensign or a JG, yeah. and then have to work your way up. Yeah, too. I, th- I think the advantage, um, you know, being in the rotary wing community of the Coast Guard, um, it it wouldn't be too difficult in the aspect you already understand. You know, thirty seven ten, pretty much the uh, all the nuances of the Coast Guard aviation um, from the rotary side. So just learning new aircraft. I think the uh, Echo is a great interface stepping stone from, you know, cast to cast. Yeah. Uh, so it wouldn't, I don't think it would be as bad as like, you know, initially coming over. Um, if you gave me Traverse or, uh, San Diego, I think I, I might take it. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah. I just want to feel what it feels like to fly a helicopter without any sort of massively, you know, prevalent torque limitation. Yeah. I don't know. Just pick up and no hover. Really don't know what that's like. Yeah. Flew the uh, 57 Bravo and yeah. Charlie, right. Mm-hmm. Which was, they're very power limited oh, too, yeah. and yeah. then uh, to the sixty-five. Yeah, not I think much feeling. of a difference. This is this is something I've been thinking of recently. The uh, the students coming over from Pensacola who are in the the Thrasher. Yeah, Rad seventy-three, the seventy-three. Yep. Yeah, Shaka Thrasher, sick magazine. Um, <laughs> Such a bro. Yeah. Um, that apparently that plane doesn't really have many limitations as far as torque is concerned, and you can just pick up a new hover. So I'm really curious to see what happens to those students who become 65 pilots and uh, and are are pulling that collective. You know, are they here yet? I, uh, think I don't. a lot of the ones trickling through are still 57 yep. traditionally. Yeah, I, I did teach a, uh, a designation course today who uh, they said that they were like right at the tail end of the 57s. Okay, so, so it's happening. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, good for them. That's a that looks like a beautiful helicopter. Oh, God, we see them yeah. buzzing by here all the time. So quiet, um, quiet, fast. Yeah, I heard it's a good platform. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, sweet. But uh, man, should we uh, should we call this guy? Absolutely. Chat with him a little bit. It's East Coast time, so let's not take up too much of his That's time. A good point. He's got a. Man. He's an important guy. He is an important guy. Awesome. Right. Hello. Oh, good evening. Is this Commander <laughs> Flint? Oh, wait. What's up? condition three. No, no. Seek shelter. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, hello, Flight yeah. Suit Friday listeners. We have Commander Mike Flint on the line, the one and only. Sir, thank you for coming on this podcast. We really appreciate it. How are you? Great. Good to, good to hear your voice. Um, We're super pumped to have you on. I think we've been wanting to have this episode for a long time. Just to kick it off, uh, would you mind telling us about yourself, your session source, the units you've been at, the airframes you've flown, where you are now? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so uh, I was a uh, academy guy and graduated, got the chance to go straight to flight school. Um, was a little VT6 and HT18. Uh, from nice. flight school, I got, uh, yeah, uh, six shooters. Yeah, go shooters. Um, I uh, got based on my last choice and sent to Air Station Detroit flying 65. Um, uh, spent about five years there on the Great Lakes. Loved it. Um, during my time there, I actually uh, went through a student engineering syllabus. 
Um, from Detroit, I got sent down to ATC Mobile, which was, again, uh, pretty much my last choice. Um, also, uh, pretty much loved it. Spent four years there. I got um, a real opportunity to, uh, to to get to be part of the 65 division, uh, flying students and uh, doing student events, yeah. and that kind of thing, which, um, uh, I mean, it was an awesome, awesome opportunity. And uh, to be part of the aero engineering world and um, to get to instruct there uh, at ATC was was a real blessing. So I um, had a blast. Um, and leaving ATC, I um, got uh, my first voice, which was EO of Air Station Savannah. Um, loved it. That's obviously where uh, you, Max, Rob, um, uh, Nick as well, all got to cross paths. Oh, yeah. And, um, what a great time. Career, obviously, obviously, best career, or excuse me, best, best tour uh, of my career up to that point. Yeah, that was um, great. Yeah. So awesome. You know, I mean, uh, being 04 EO uh, is about just about the best thing I could think of. And um, basically, it's all downhill from there. Um, <laughs> but uh, except for, you know, grad school. So leaving Savannah after doing three years there, um, got got the chance to go to a um, uh, aero engineering tab uh, grad school where I spent uh, 18 months essentially in a uh, mountain biking and okay. skiing, uh, program at the Colorado School of Mines. Are you, no, hold and, on. I have to interrupt uh, real quick. Are you saying mines or mimes? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's actually a point of discussion. No one's really <laughs> sure, but uh, uh, no, that's the Colorado School of Mines. So you do um, that. So to graduate, you have to do the I'm trapped in a glass, a glass box routine. <laughs> yeah. 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 It never gets old. Uh, it never gets old. No, uh, I'm sure it does for you. <laughs> Um, so pretty much, you know, as, as, um, uh, some people may know, uh, pretty much your only, uh, assignments coming out of grad school for an aero engineering tab is, is going to be the headquarters or ALC. And, um, I, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of a coin toss for me a little bit. Um, but, uh, I, I put ALC, uh, top of my list and I got the chance to come here at ALC and take over the 60 product line as a product line manager. Nice. Um, so a big change, you know, obviously transitioning 65 to 60s. It was, um, uh, it, it has been awesome. And I love, I love the stuff that's going on on the 60 product line. But um, a huge shift for me just into a kind of a, a different um, group, uh, you know, kind of whole new, uh, whole new culture uh, joining the 60 side. Yep. Um, obviously, you know, but, uh, but we're still speaking pretty much the same language. Yeah, on so. 65. So just to cage yeah. cage everybody, you left Savannah as a sixty five Delta pilot. Then you were out of the yeah, cockpit. Correct. You were out of the cockpit for two years, and you flew, and then you went through the transition for the sixty Tango. Yeah, eighteen months, but yeah, yeah, pretty close. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. cool. Yep. Um, so never touched NACO before. Yep. Right. Okay. Right on. And then, so how long? I oh mean, you went through the transition. What last summer? No, last, last February. Uh-huh. Yeah. March. Yeah, I was there February to April-ish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, so we were were just kind of chatting about this in the intro. Like, 65 Echo to 60 Tango with the CAS system seems like a pretty, uh, seems like a pretty easy transition when it comes to, like, cockpit avionics integration. But you pretty much went from the Dirty Delta directly to laptop screens in the 60... (laughs) How how was that? New airframe, new way of looking at you things. You couldn't borrow any numbers from no. a previous platform. Yeah. So yeah. it, it's hard to say, right? So because I also hadn't been flying anything for a while, 
I basically felt like I was starting over uh, from square one. (laughs) You know, like I wasn't even good at flying anything. Um, So it was like it was the first time I've flown a helicopter, unfortunately. I know (laughs) I've like, you know, I felt I felt this pressure because people are like, oh, yeah, 65 pilots, they come in and, you know, um, they're really good pilots because they have to be because they fought the 65 and i was like well that's a lot of pressure i felt like i came in there and was just like kind of a basic pilot yeah. not uh, really that great you know but um, i also wasn't very good at any of the button pushing stuff but like yeah going from a delta to the tango like just like for guys i assume going from the delta to the echo it's um there's a lot of stuff that's very different about sure. um about the, the you know like setting up approaches and all yeah. that yeah, but yeah, another yeah. thing which is really different is just like culturally the way that um uh, like a lot of the nomenclature um, in the 60s is different from what I was used to in the 65. Can you, like, can you be specific? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious Yeah, like little mean. things. Like, you know how, so nav transfer, right? When you go in, a, in yeah. the Delta, you know, one guy has nav transfer or the other guy has nav transfer, right? right. You know, depending on what, um, you know, who's, who, where, wherever the flight director cues are coming from or um, the, 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 you know, what the flight director is saying cues from. So, but in, in the 60 world, it's nav transfer. And that's not a big deal, but stuff like that is like it was different. And I'm learning all these different things. Um, and the stuff that the stuff that you say in 60s is, is different. And, and that's and that's just one yeah. example. Um, there's a ton of stuff though that it's just different. Um, so uh, so I and this is and and you know this gentleman as well, um, Jeb Slick. He had done a transition too, and he said something that really resonated with me. And like this is how I've been viewing this. He said the 65 is a better airplane, but the 60 is a better helicopter. And ever since he said that, I was like, man, you know what? That makes sense. Like, cause we, cause we can, we can couple all, all axes of our flight director and have basically George fly everything, which yeah, makes it absolutely better airplane in the instrument environment. But man, you, you put big iron down close to the water, you know, you have power for days. Is that, does that, is that true too? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's accurate. I mean, the, the 65 is uh, is very hands off and in ways yeah. that I think the the 60 is not exactly. And I'm sure that the B60 guys are saying, "Well, yeah, I mean, no, you could, it's pretty much the same thing." And yeah. it does do it can do kind of pretty much the same thing, um, but it's not fully coupled in the way that a 65 is. There's only sure. particular phase of flight where the aircraft is actually you know uh, like fully controlled. Um, by the flight director. And yeah. unlike the 65, we're very used to having George, you know, yeah. fly it. Um, that's not the exact same, or not the same at all sure. in the 60. So their version of what fully coupled was, when they said that, I'm like, no, it's not fully coupled. Yeah, because uh, like, it's not like, still like, to control the collective. Mean, what's that? Don't you still have to manipulate the collective and fly off that Yeah, you're cube? still manipulating the, the collective. Um, uh, yeah, no, but I mean, Sorry, this is going to just reveal how bad of a pilot I am in the 60, but <laughs> no, like <laughs> you, you, you can set modes where the collective is being manipulated, but it's a hold mode, like a bar out hold or rat okay, out hold, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you can be flying at 5,000 feet with a bar out hold on, and it's controlling the collective. One thing about the 60 is that it's always holding airspeed. When you trim in an airspeed, yeah. it's going to hold that speed, okay? So that's always happening. It's not a mode, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, as long as you have all your AFTS channels and autopilot on, it's, it's always doing that. So gotcha. that was a weird thing for me to get used to. It's like, uh, what mode here? And I mean, right. I was just, I'll be honest, when I first came to the cast, I was very, I was I was not, I'm still not very smart on it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, 
I don't know if I came from Echoes. I guess I, I can't even say. Like, I don't know how much no, I'm coming from Echoes, yeah. you know, to Tango. Um, but I can't say as a Delta guy who's not like the sharpest, I think that it was, there's certainly a lot that I still, I don't really understand why I'm doing the things I'm doing. I just, I, I can, I can memorize the button pushes, but like, I don't really understand what, yeah. I why think, I'm doing it. I think that rings true with a lot of folks who've flown the Delta and go to the Echo. Like, I think there's a lot of Delta isms that, that we still need to get out of our heads. Um, I'm, I'm for sure one of them, but, uh, yeah, that, well, yeah, they're like, Hey, get the cues up. Like I'm shooting an ILS and they're trying to get me to put the flight director cues up. Um, so that it's like showing me to move my collective down yeah. or whatever, or pitch down. I'm like, well, I can just, why don't I just fly the ILS like the the CDI needle? You know, like with yeah, my hands, right? Like, yeah, I don't understand. Like that's that's also cues because I'm just following where it's telling me to go. Sure. Like, but I, so that's where I'm like not understanding. Like, why am I? Why should I put up those other things? I can just do this. It's really simple. You know, like yeah. so. I, I guess I just have. I'm not trying to be combative about. It. I just no. maybe yeah. I just haven't understood what like the benefit is. You know, um, for certain things. Um, I mean, you, yeah, but that's probably you had. You know, you you know two. How yeah, two full or three full Delta tours and you, you instructed the Delta in ATC, correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've had three full Delta tours. Like that is, that's a lot and completely new airframe, new avionics system. Like, yeah, I can imagine what, so that's up at altitude, right? Like we just ch- chatted about that. What I think of everybody's very curious about is like, what does she like to fly down low over the water, hoisting landing? Like, is it just completely, is it, is it better? Yeah, I want to know what kind of power margin you're working with and how how comfy that feels. Well, you might be talking to the wrong guy because I've actually never hovered over the water. No. Uh, and I, oh, no. <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah, you want no. to cancel the interview? That, no. Um, no. no. <laughs> uh, so, look, the, the, the power margin question I can answer easily because it applies in every phase of flight. Yeah. You have more power than you know what to do with. So you it's don't, so you don't on a hot day up in North Carolina, you don't droop and <laughs> no. almost touch the wheels and net to scoop yeah. it out. Yeah. So on your initial takeoff, you're not pulling to 99%, yeah. just hoping not to tag. So the, uh, I will, I will gear. as a, a little for example here. So today I actually got to fly. I was taking an aircraft and we flew it on a new river, the Marine Corps station, new river. Right. We had, yeah, exactly. We had uh, two, two packs. We had two air crew and then two pilots. Uh, and of course, everyone weighed 200 pounds. Yeah. Um, we had 5,000 pounds of fuel, which is not like max gas, you know, but it's a fair amount of gas. <laughs> so much and gas. Essentially, <laughs> or half for essentially we just go and just pull straight up into there. So, yeah. I, mean, I you didn't even think about it. You yeah. know, it's like, uh, so that is my experience in the 60s. Was so that, was that weird getting used to, do you still hawk torque? Like, I don't, I'm sure there's a torque yeah. type in there and yeah, is it yeah. just mm-hmm. hard to like, not like, or is that the 60 community? They all look at torque too. No. And you're I mean, just, yeah, no. you're just scarred and you have to look at torque. I I do. Yeah. And, and you know, what's another hard thing was coming in and their mentality on fuel at least. And, and again, this is not flying operationally. So I'm sure yeah. those guys out in Kodiak, you know, going way offshore or thinking about it much more, but like the fuel planning, the weight planning, yeah. um, very, just very different approaches to that. So, you don't, that there is not so you don't tell your flight mech to wait to get into the helicopter yeah, until you get exactly. below 95, 90. <laughs> Let me tell you the best thing about me, 60 is today I was flying down the beach. It was like 85 degrees out or whatever, yeah. you know, high humidity, you know, still kind of the South out here. 
And I was like, you know what? I think I need to reach over and turn down the air conditioning because I'm getting a little bit too oh, cold. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. So that is, that is. Last, uh, uh, this interview's done. Yeah. Jeez. That's it. Last night, Rob and I were flying. He took me out for an uh, IUT instructor under training flight. Uh, we got back and we we're just yeah, walking back on joke, the just right there. I mean, I can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this interview's over now. And we were we were walking back on the ramp, and I was like, Rob, I was like, look over that sixty. I think the I think the cockpit's on fire. Like they were doing <laughs> like, like a ground run. I'm like I'm like, should we do something? And then Rob's like, No, no that's the ECS. Like I've it was, heard it was stories, a pretty humid. Cold. It was a pretty humid night, and it was just black, and it was just condensing. It was blasting, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, whereas- yeah, no, dude. That day, like uh, again, I have not flown a lot. You know, I've not flown operationally this plane at all. But yeah. um, like, I had to. We were shooting instrument approach today, and I turned the ECS down because it was getting too much condensation. That it was like you know getting a little smoky in the cockpit, so I had to turn it down. So you know, it wasn't just forcing all that freezing cold air uh, on, but, on a yeah. hot day in mobile alabama or savannah georgia did you ever say you know what i need to turn this air conditioning down this 65 yeah. I, think I'm, I think i'm gonna open the door up because i'm sweating so yeah. much yeah uh, the ecs no, last man. night felt like max was breathing on my neck well i, I was, was. Like, well yeah <laughs> but, it's a small cockpit yeah <laughs> it's about the temperature yeah he was breathing on your neck that's a separate story yeah that is, night, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> that is uh <laughs> That is awesome. Also, okay, so another thing that um, I think a lot of folks are curious about too, uh, who are 65 pilots looking to maybe transfer or Cur- might curious. transfer. Okay. You have the flight mechanic basically as, you know, sitting so close and so behind, uh, like yeah, right behind in the 65. That you, in the 65, yeah. that you, in fact, cue them in on when you are doing running landings or tail road malfunctions to give you some sort of center line guidance because they have the best view is it like the crew like are you involving the crew at all in the 60 and if you do like when do you do it yeah so again it's, it's a little bit the um tough for me to to sure. say exactly what the norm is for this community because again i'm flying at alc which is a very different place to fly you know and and we do stuff that we just don't do the same thing as you do in air station yeah. you know um, but, um, so yeah, so like the physical separation and in, in our aircraft at ALC, we don't have like a pump and a litter and a basket and stuff, but like in your operational sixties, you're going to see there's a bunch of stuff stacked up. So yeah. like even just seeing the cockpit from the uh, flight mech seat, if you had eyes good enough to see that far would be almost impossible. Sure. Right. Wow. So like, yeah, so you're six. So like, yeah, I remember the first time, like when I was flying the 60, I looked back and I'm like, I can barely see the flight mech. Like they're yeah. so far back there, you know? Um, and, uh, and they have like an alternate, like private comms. I think the 60 X, 65 Echo has that too, maybe now, but like yeah. a private comms channel. So mm-hmm. if they just want to talk to the restaurant and then want to talk, like you may not even know they're talking. Sure. Um, I mean, I have a camera. I'll look back at them so I can oh, wow. pull it up on my MFD. I mean, that's, that's like, you have a, that's oh, like the kind of interaction. Cabin. You have a, a ring inside the aircraft. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah. Camera. yes hello, your Jimmy cam. Johns has arrived. <laughs> What's that mech I mean, doing back there? <laughs> so, you know, things are very different than like in the 65 again. So yeah. like they're, they'll be doing guard too, but they also have their own CDU. So they'll tune up the frequency and they're not wow. asking you to do it for that's them. Awesome. Um, you know, they're doing that. So I, I understand that the, in, in like operational 60, yeah. the restroom typically runs that CDU, but, um, yeah. And the player, 
Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just very different. So no, they're not backing me up on yeah, anything. Alignment like, or question. I assume that they will pull out the red book, but like we really didn't do much of that either. Yeah. Okay. You know? Qu- quick question though. Like uh, you kind of like threw it out there real fast. You said something about having a, a basket litter and pump. Is that something that could yeah. commonly be carried? Because uh, Mike, I in don't understand. Fives, like <laughs> yeah. you, you can have two of the three, but you probably physically can't fit all three in you the can, cabin. You can have two of the three and then nine hundred pounds mm. of fuel, or you don't take yeah. a swimmer. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, the standard configuration, I believe, at, at, at least what they flew with the ATC, and I during my T course, and I assume it's kind of like what the fleet is doing. Yeah, is um, yeah, it has like everything. Gosh, that is that is wild. That is like I did. I did a we did a flight mech upgrade flight the other day where it was like the one where you have to do pumps and litters and you're like okay well yeah. pick pumps or litters like yeah. what are we gonna do this flight and you know thankfully the the solomon runs around with all the stuff on it so you don't need to yeah, yeah. go out there but like man that is that is wild you have all that gear on that i mean like it you're is flying with the tool shed yeah you're flying with all of the things you need for search and rescue that's got to yes. inspire some confidence too yeah, man. I mean, and you know, like other stuff that you have on board a 60 that, so like one of the big differences, sorry, I'm just going back. Like, no, please. That, um, that, uh, at, at, you know, between the 65 and the 60. So to talk like, just kind of go into the T course just a little bit yeah. and what was, um, like, uh, what I noticed about differences between flying, like doing my, I did, I did my 65 T course a long time ago, uh-huh. but I taught a lot of 65 T courses when I was in mobile or when, you know, I was one of people the C course, you know? Oh, we, yeah, exactly. Know. So, uh, yeah, big deal. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so, um, God, what was I saying? So basically like the 60, I'd say that, um, one thing that is a little bit, there's a lot of systems on a 60 that I just, I, I feel like the 65 is simpler in sure. some regards. Yep. Like we make it more complicated because we call like the number one hydraulic system, the secondary hydraulic system, well. stuff, you know, like confusing stuff like that. You know, has that changed or is that still? Yeah, they changed that in the Echo, thankfully. Oh, okay. Well, but, yes. I can't speak for that, but yes. yes. But like we made some stuff kind of complicated um, just in the way I think we like wrote our manuals and kind of described stuff. But the 60 just, it has a lot of different systems yeah. on board that um, took a little bit more learning, I guess. I, I really wouldn't say I've mastered any of it. I definitely have mastered it. You I have barely engines. know some of it. You have engines that, that are so powerful that they require a smaller yeah, engine you have to start them. Three jet engines. So, so I mean, yeah, like, the, so it, I mean, having an APU that's just an extra system. Again, you yeah. don't even know that much about it, but like extra extra engine, and it has a, another alternator that can, you know, pr- pretty much fully power the electrical system of the aircraft. Yeah. Um, could, so you need to understand that, and that's you know, uh, all the power of the ECS, which is the biggest benefit. Obviously. Good question for you with um, the APU. Can it also do some utility hydraulics? Do you get any benefit out of that? Why are you going to put me on the spot like that? I don't, well, you know, and this, this is going back to like my, (laughs) my knowledge of flying a Chinook with an APU, um, that like sometimes, you know, in an emergency situation, worst case, you're about to lose both your pumps. Like you got nothing to lose. It's not going to start a fire. That engine can start up and you can get some kind of like, you know, flight control pressure out of it. So like hopefully my op isn't listening to, I'm sure he's not of the 20 people that listen to the podcast. I'm sure he's not one of them. So we, but, we, actually, yeah. we actually put 1 trillion listeners on our OER. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and if your information, uh, a, a local DCA interviewee dropped my name the other day during the interview to like the head of the board. And I got, I got like yeah. sought out to tell me that and I was like, well, I, I don't think I've conveyed that message, but yes, come on. Hey, you know guard. that, uh, 
you can get a thousand dollars for recruiting someone to the Coast Guard. Well, so, if he if he goes yeah, to DCO school, that's not about. Cape May. That goes towards but, that goes to her Flight Through Friday equipment fund. <laughs> if that happens, <laughs> uh, just something to think about. Get that L, get that sweet LLC, and maybe yeah. a cool thousand bucks. Oh, you know, hey, you um, yeah. So your APU will power a generator, and then we have a backup pump that okay. um, can provide uh, hydraulic power. So you know, you have two hydraulic systems or two hydraulic, like main hydraulic pumps, driven off of an accessory drive from the main gearbox, and then um, the 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 electrically uh, driven pump uh, okay. can operate as well. Um, so yeah, obviously okay. redundancy built into it. You know? So like, but, was that the question? Yeah, yep, that absolutely was the question. Um, okay. that, that Uncle Rob, he also mentioned flying yeah, so the Schnucks, APU, but he yeah, never, yeah. but he never said, but never said back when I was in Korea, which I always appreciate <laughs> when he says Korea. that. Korea, back when I was in Korea. <laughs> I, uh, is that on Flight Through Friday bingo list? Yeah, it should be. We should have one of those hot buttons on the like yeah. the mix pad that says "Back when I was in Korea." Cue some CCR. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. What this is like, I'm sure this is a loaded question and it cannot be answered easily, but what do you like flying better? Yeah, no, actually people ask me that a lot because they're like, well, how do you like the 60? You yeah. know, now that I'm uh, on the 60 side and, uh, the, the really frank answer is that, um, the 60 is just a way better, uh, helicopter, yeah. you know? Um, and I don't think anybody's surprised by that answer. You know, I mean like it's not, it's not personal. Like, I love the 65. I love the 65 community. I love the guys that I've met on 65. And I think 65 is a great helicopter. Considering what it is, I am super impressed with the 65 because it's done so much more than it really should have been asked to do. Yeah. Um, but if you were like, hey, do you want to hop in a 60 ago on a star case? Do you want to hop in a 65? No. Uh, I mean, hands down, like I'm going to take yeah. it. 60, you I've know, never flown a no 60, question. but I'd still jump in a 60. If I was on about, about to be picked up out of the water. On, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I, I would feel well, like, more yeah, comfortable to... <laughs> in a 60. Uh, yeah. I, I like, so, um, I think it's, it's great to fly. There's stuff I really miss. I get, I, what I tell people now is that, I mean, like I like the 65 cause I was a better pilot in it, but, um, you know, maybe someday I'll be a good 60 pilot, but I'm certainly not right if now. You, believe. So that's, you know, Just believe yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I do. Uh, that's awesome. I believe reality. I think, uh, I think that is a uh, that is a question that's asked a lot of the folks who have transferred, and um, I think that is a very similar answer that you get. Uh, just because, just I think personally for me is like the torque margin thing. Yeah, I could yeah. I would go back to steam gauges if I had unlimited torque margin. Like that's amazing. Well, torque, uh, fuel, yeah, ETS. totally different mentality. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to know where the sixty five would be better that makes a difference. Like I agree, the sixty five is a slightly smoother aircraft. Sure. It flies about the same speed as a 60, um, and, but it does have four axis, um, uh, you know, the AFPS, you know, coupled to yeah. the flight director. But I don't see that making a difference in most cases because the 60 can still hover, you know, with, you know, essentially hold a uh, hover position yep. using all axes. So, like, I just don't know that it really matters under most conditions. It's a nice to have. Yeah. Um, part of, of flying 65 which is great but like all those places where it matters it's the 60 you know yeah. like uh it's hard to it's hard to argue that you know yeah. um and, and again like i love the 65 like don't get me wrong it's i had a great time flying it it took care of me yeah and and um you know i think that the people flying the 65 
um, have a lot of stuff right, you know, that the city community could probably glean um, yeah. from them. But um, like, yeah, it's, it's going to be the 60 all the way for sure. But can you land a 60 on a 210? Boom. Advantage 65. Yeah, we win. No one should be, no one should be landing on 210. <laughs> that, that's also, that's also <laughs> having a landed the 65 on a 210. I, I don't think anyone should go to 210. But, yeah, you know, that's we are looking at currently looking at a picture that's hung in the trade up <laughs> conference room of a 65 on a 210. It looks sketchy. It does not look like a fun time. So, so I guess this is also a good transition into this conversation. So you are the 60 product line manager at ALC, like real quick. What, what does that mean? And if you don't yeah, mind, yeah, I was about to say, like you don't have to be a good um, pilot as yeah. a product line manager, correct? <laughs> so, you don't have to know anything about the 60 to be the product line manager. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I get that question all the time too. Um, <laughs> and I really I struggle with it probably because I just haven't been in the job that long and, um, and don't understand the LC that well, but I'm getting there. Um, but, uh, you know, the, you asked what, what the, what my job is, yeah. that, right? Okay. Yeah. So, like uh, the way I, I look at it right now and the way I see it, obviously um, I, uh, the, the biggest part of my job is probably representing um, the 60 product line. Sorry, my kids are screaming in the background. Um, uh, representing the 60 product line to uh, like being the liaison to headquarters yeah. for um, the different, different like headquarters components and um, basically saying like, here's what we can do and provide and figuring out, you know, between the, um, System managers in 41 and 71, which are operations engineering, um, then uh, the program managers in um, in acquisition. Okay. Kind of kind of working with them to uh, to kind of meet whatever the, you know the Coast Guard needs from yeah. us. So like our bosses at ALC are 41. Gotcha. Right? Okay. The Coast Guard engineering tells like kind of directs ALC, um, but. The, the things that we do are based on requirements set by 7-Eleven okay. um, or aviation operations, yep. right? So yeah. our require, like what we're doing is to meet the requirements that 7-Eleven set. So yeah. as a product line manager, you know, I'm just trying to get the 60. And, and, and I work with Bobby Brown, who's my um, systems manager at 41, um, to try and basically meet the requirements that are that are set by nice. 7-Eleven okay. with the 60s. Yeah. Um, it's funny yeah. because that's one of the jobs like growing up in the Coast Guard Aviation Program, you always hear about the, oh, the 65 product line manager or like, and you're like, oh, I have no, you hear that job probably a million times and I have no idea what they actually do. So well, when I applied for that job, answer. I was like, I have no idea what that actually yeah. does, but yeah. uh, I'm an 05 you, you, and I need to go to an 05 job. So. Uh, congrats um, on that, by the way. I couldn't think of a, yeah. a better person to promote to that, um, to yeah, that level. Yeah. yeah. It might've been a so clerical error, but you got through. So <laughs> But that's awesome. Yeah, you were, you were sitting there applying for that job, making 05. What was, uh, I'm going to veer off topic here. Uh, yeah, sure. The, the Leadville Marathon. How'd that go? <laughs> uh, well, Leadville's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, yep. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah, that was painful. Okay. Uh, How did you breathe? You know, and what was your pace? Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you, you don't breathe. That's the problem. So it starts at 10,000, goes up to about like, 13, six or so. Jeez. And, uh, and, and it's like, it's like six or 7,000 feet of climbing throughout yeah. the race. And I think I gave it all I had on that first 13 miles. So yeah. The last 13 was, uh, pretty bad, but man, awesome. Loved it. Great race. Yeah. I'll never do it again. Yeah. Right, yeah you probably will. Again, what, what was your pace? Yeah. What, what, what was your time? Actually, I, So my time was, I couldn't tell you exactly, but it was, around four hours, I think. Okay. Um, and like, 
you know, I've run a marathon in like, you know, under three hours. So like that's, uh, that, it that seems, was kind of marathon. It, it seems pretty good because yeah. it's literally uphill the whole way. <laughs> no, and I mean, uphill, starting at 10, part of the way and then downhill the rest of it. But yeah, yeah it's, man, everyone should go to Colorado. Well, what, like, you yeah. know, the, Okay, I'll go to Colorado. That's, that's a good point. I, yeah. Maybe I'll go to Colorado. I think the most I've ever <laughs> run in Colorado is maybe two miles, and that yeah. took everything out of me, yeah. you know, only being there for a handful of days. Rob's out of breath listening to your story right yeah. now about the level. <laughs> I'm profusely sweating. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that and that being said, I mean, just for like, you know, the public record, what was your uh, fastest mile time at back at the academy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, not the forum for that. Oh, I, I don't know. the forum. No, I had a... Yeah. Uh, there was a. If you want to know, yeah, you want to know my mile time. You you got to visit the Coast Guard Academy and go check the record for it. Yeah, is, is, is that that's a right. Plug? That's there was right. A, Not there was the a, time or place. However, I am on the record board. That seems a young ensign showed up when I was working in the front office. It's not a pilot and uh, was a runner at the academy. And I just happened to mention your name. And oh, my eyes Clint. lit up. I mean, you're you're somewhat of a celebrity. You're celebrated. I was like, oh, my, my mentor from Savannah, he's known for running. Yeah. Who, who knew? Yeah. Did you call me your mentor? Uh, kind of. Like, the, you this, know? Is a, this is a touching. Whoa, I was, wow. I was, I was, I've uh, never, well, never said that before. Somewhere between I, you and uh, the great commander, uh, Russ Mathis. Oh, there. Russ Mathis. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. That, that's great. You, so, um, great. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we talked about your record wait, at so, the Academy. No, Did I yes. mentor you right off the runway in Charleston? No, no, that's it. That's an that's a. Is that when I took over the mentorship? That, that's that's going to be with the Coast Guard, saving Coast Guard. Uh, that, no, I mean, it probably didn't help that you used to force me into working out till I like. Oh, that's a good uh, my, my heart was about two hundred fifty beats per minute, and I was tasting purple. Yeah, <laughs> I miss Savannah, man. I yeah, miss Savannah. that was fun. I'm. Uh, hey, if every just, unit sorry, in the air facility, real quick. Great. I'm sorry. Yeah, go for real it. Quick. You're the you're the person Would interviewing. Would you guys entertain going back to Savannah next next tour? Yeah, you know, I heard there's a CEO job opening up in a few okay. years. Okay, twenty twenty six. If the details listening, you know, yeah, something to think about. If you want to, if you want to get the shark pack back in Savannah as a CEO, I think that that is granted to you by the like the Congress of the United States. But as a CEO, you can pick and choose who comes, right? I think that we reestablished the snake pit there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Set and stack your team. Sure. Yeah. I mean, be, before Warren, 2026 is two years from me hitting 20. So there might yeah. be a, a letter submitted as well. You might, yeah. You might have a very productive. <laughs> Put me in charge media. of back end. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let, let's, yeah, pre- ahead, let's sorry. pretend we're on a podcast again and chat about <laughs> stuff that people actually want to hear about instead of us stacking Savannah. Oh, did yes. we start already? <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, where so you're obviously a, a a pretty important member of the sixty community from what we've heard and what you've told us, uh, and you know you know all of this you know where all the bodies are buried and all the secrets and under uh, gunpoint. Uh, where is the sixty program going? Yeah, so I mean, um, I think that the uh, Coast Guard leadership has made it clear in 2019 that the Coast Guard is going to be going to is moving in the direction of a single. Uh, airframe rotary fleet and that's going to be the 60. So um, my predecessors in the job and the folks, the civilians and everyone working in the 60 uh, product line um, have taken all the steps uh, in, in order to prep for that. And, and by that, I mean um, the, the, you know, the growth of the fleet through uh, 
uh, transition uh, 65 air stations to 60. Um, and uh, that is part of our business um, at the product line is ensuring that that happens successfully, you know? So, um, so it's, it's complicated. Yeah. And what's complicated right now is that the, the way forward and how it's going to happen um, exactly is, uh, and when I say how, I mean like um, what, what exactly will the timeline be? Yeah. Um, where exactly does the money come from to uh-huh. fund every aspect of it um, in the way they want to is not a hundred percent clear. But what I do know is that ALC has the ability to make the airplanes yeah. that we need. And um, through both, uh, like, so just so you know, so, like, what's going on at ALC right now in the 60 line? Obviously, you know, one of the main jobs of the product line is to do PDM, right? Okay. Yep. So we put, we put aircraft through. We put about, about nine or ten every year. 60s come out of the fleet for their regular, like, 48-month interval yeah. uh, PDM. Right. So that's happening all the time. Um, what we're also doing is we are turning um, Navy 60s. You know, we got about 66. We actually have more than that, but we oh, wow. put out about, about 66 Navy oh, wow. 60s okay. that, that were retired yeah. from the Navy fleet. They're all, they're all uh, Foxtrot and Hotel Model 60s okay. um, that, that were basically scrapped by the Navy um, and with an average of about 8,000 hours. And they're, they're plus or minus on that. Um, and we, take those aircraft and we are um, converting them to 860 tangos, mm-hmm. uh, tango hulls. All right. And so through a combination, so, and some of those holes have been used to replace uh, mishap aircraft yeah. um, that were converted much earlier. Uh, and some have gone towards the expansion of the fleet already because obviously Traverse City, uh, Barankin and uh, oh, uh, New Orleans have yeah. already uh, switched over. Now, not all of those were Navy conversion aircraft, but Navy conversion was used um, for, for some of those. And now we have um, some Navy conversion holes that we've got waiting uh, for this expansion. Yeah. Because that was the plan, right? Was Quick the question. Conversion. Oh, yeah, how, how many hours are we uh, anticipating getting out of those uh, airframes? Well, what we're getting right now out of the 60 is, is, is or, or where we are ending the life of the hull is 20,000 hours. Okay. Okay. Um, and that goes that goes back to another initiative going on. That's another part of the sixty program where acquisitions is involved, or CG nine, mm-hmm. is that we're we're concurrently doing SLEP or service life extension yep. project, where yeah. So we basically kind of not arbitrarily, but we said essentially like, hey, twenty thousand hours is it's pretty much as far as we want to fly this hull. All right. So we have uh, like a fleet of forty eight sixties right right now. Yeah. Um, forty two of them are out in the operational fleet, and six are. Are, are constantly engaged in PDM. Okay. Right. So, um, and of those 48, we've already done sleps on two of them mm-hmm. where they come in, we strip them down like we do for PDM, but then we take the hull and we replace it with a uh, Navy conversion hull. That's how we've done sleps wow. up to this point. Right. So, two aircraft have had that done already. So, they have not new hulls, but Basically, I mean, we used low hour holes for those first couple, but yeah, yeah. Um, they've got, you know, like 8,000. So then, that, then you know, you do the math, we fly about, like right now we're averaging a little bit under 650 hours per year. And for the uh, 60 fleet, I think the uh, program flight hour, annual program flight hours, so we get a lot are 700, I believe, okay. per airframe. Yeah. So we're flying a little bit under that, but you can, you can do the math and figure out, you know, to get you from 
whatever they said, like say 8,000 to 20,000. Yeah. That's, that's, that's essentially how much time you have, center, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, so we're looking, we're looking to late thirties or say on forties. Um, yeah. I think it, if you do the math on that, right. So, so I will, you know, we were going to be start going hot and heavy and slept um, starting 2024. I think we have maybe six aircraft that need to be slept in. And from there on out, it's like continuous that almost all the aircraft we're bringing in for PDM are going to be slept in. Gotcha. So, um, so that's happening, right? So, and we're using, the plan was to use Navy conversion holes for that because growth wasn't even a plan at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, initially it was all slept. We were thinking about slept, you know, so, cause we didn't, we didn't know that this was going to happen, yeah. you know, that we we're going to start replacing the 65 with 60. So slept was the plan, right? So we're like, oh, we'll use Navy conversion holes. Well, what happened was that through the mystery of the politics and, and how that works, so you know, I'm not going <laughs> to presume to, to, you know, to, to, even understand how it works exactly but essentially um we end up saying hey instead of using navy conversion holes for slip let's buy you know 40 some brand new holes from Sikorsky so right now Sikorsky is building in a plant down in Troy Alabama um is building up Trojans (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly i thought about you and I, you and Nate Brock i thought about when i was hey. oh, yeah. um, yeah, um so uh yeah so they're actually we're, we're awaiting the delivery of the first article uh green hall but oh, um, okay. but uh essentially they're going to be pumping out uh brand new 60 tango hulls uh for us to replace the fleet so they will be zero time hulls and um, then you'll assemble the rest of it on site in uh, elizabeth exactly. city exactly so okay. when, when an aircraft comes in for PDM, we're going to take all the stuff off it that we would normally take off it. Um, and it will, instead of going onto an old hull, it will go back onto a new hull. Oh, nice. All okay. right. And there's, there's other components that are changed out and slept too. Some of the yeah. dynamic components that change out. Um, and we fully rewire as well. Nice. So we have full harnesses that go onto these planes. So, okay. um, but now growth is also happening, right? So now that we know that, okay, we're going to be using green hulls, to support SLEP, um, what are we going to do with these Navy conversions? Well, part of what we're going to do is we're going to use them to start our growth initiative, you uh-huh. know, where we're, we're replacing them uh, at, at 65 air stations with some of these. Um, but the, the ultimate plan is that we're going to use green hulls um, uh, and the Navy conversions will be a supplement to the green hulls that we're using as part of the growth, right? And then we're That's buying really all cool. new stuff for the nice. 60s, right? So new engines, new, new everything, yeah. right? It would be going, going, it would be, will be added to our stock system so that we can then, you know, support the additional, uh, about 80. So the, the, the total fleet size that I've heard is 127. That's wow. like 127 sixties. That's significant. Yeah. 127. But I guess, I guess what, how many, how many 65s total are in the well, fleet? Well, it's not, if you're, if you want to do the math, it does not equal yeah. the total combined fleet size that we have right now for every wing. So, sure. There's like 98 or something. Yeah, just uh, under 100. right? Or there were at least, you know, yeah. before they started replacing them, but like about 98, and then there were about like 40-some, um, 60. So it's not going to be the same number. But again, when you replace like a 5-helo unit like oh, New yeah. Orleans with a 3-helo 60 unit, it's just that's where you see that it starts to, like the math. Yeah, changes, the math you know? makes sense so, there. Like same thing with Barankin right. and Traverse City. You know, those are all 5-helo units, yep. and now they're – you know, 360 units. So, but the other part of that is like the shipboard um, aspect. And that's yeah. another thing that we're working on right now. And that's restoring the shipboard deployment capability of the 60. And, um, you know, there's a couple different, there's a lot that goes into that, obviously. You know, sure. you take a fleet that's not been on ships in a long time and doesn't have that, um, um, 
you know, the, not the corporate knowledge yeah. anymore of what it takes to be on back of ships yeah. and doesn't have even the hardware on our aircraft right. to do that. Well, but we're reinstalling the hardware, man. And that's, um, that the first three aircraft that should have that capability are going to be rolling out in 2024 is the plan. Okay. Um, uh, so, and ultimately having about not quite half the fleet, um, blade full, tail full, capable, which sure. means shipboard deployable, you know? Yeah. So anyways, that's kind of some of the stuff Gosh, that's going on. Man. Yeah. There, there's that aspect. Plus, I mean, the maintenance package in respect to, uh, people per aircraft, uh, from what yeah. I understand, there's a, couple bodies more that it takes per airframe of a 60 compared to a 65 to be able to uh, support that. He, he, luckily, we got plenty of people, so it's not an issue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Don't joke. Insert, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, man, that is like. A huge, so to be clear, I'm not doing any of that stuff. Yeah. But that is, that's all stuff that's happening uh, right. in the 60 product. That is wild, man. That is such a great insight to some questions that people have been asking and, and everybody gets different answers, some really good numbers in there, like the one twenty ish total fleet size, yeah. you know, and, and the number of green holes that we're getting, that is super interesting. And, uh, man, thank you so much for sharing that. That's fantastic. I think this episode needs to be, Hey, if you're curious about the 60 transition, just listen to, uh, commander Mike Flint talk for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Do you want to real quick here? Do you, do you know the next air stations that are transitioning? I was so that was a literally exactly what I was about to ask. But it sounds like we don't need to like fish you for yeah, information. You, you are you I are like, just, yeah, just somebody fed you truth serum. And you, you are just the, are the best. And three, First two, one, go. <laughs> All right. So I see um, the plan, and I'll say this, you know, like I put a big disclaimer on this. Like this is just the plan, and the plan, as with any, it's you know subject to change, yeah. but. The plan is at this point is Air Station Ventura 2024, where, yep. you know, they are standing up Ventura, obviously. So 360 there, 2024, 2025 would be um, shutting down Alpat and replacing that with uh, 60s there. So, so then, 2024 and then 2025, so only a year apart between Ventura and Alpat? The plan yeah. is it could be on once okay. we start. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, Again, that's the plan. And then the year after would be Miami. So um, 2026 Miami. That's that's about the yeah. uh, the sequence I think I recall from yeah. the, the Stando conference where um where Sam Brown was kind of like, you know, their their ideal plan would be that yeah, that layout. Yeah, the the future beyond Miami is still a little hazy. Um it's like the main challenge is that the infrastructure for sixties is just different than right. for sixty five. So the and, and the Coast Guard is not, you know, in a healthy place facilities wise, you know, sure. um, so the challenges of infrastructure are going to kind of probably dictate, um, some of where we end up citing 60s first. Uh, so like the easier places to fit 60s, we'll probably get 60s before some of the places that require major like structural renovations. Are there you know, any like favorites? Are there any favorites um, from Miami that have been discussed? Uh, you know, I would just be making it up if I said it, man, because I can't even remember. Make it up. You're, an, o, you're an O5 at ALC. Whatever you say yeah, on this podcast is, turns into Savannah, law. Probably Savannah next, I guess. Oh, okay. You know? So it's on the 60 pilot, so that yeah. uh, makes sense. That's why. That's why. Well, that's awesome. Um, man, that is, uh, it's, it's really curious that all the 60 units are turning out to be the best 65 units. So Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, someone had a plan, man. What a mystery. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Man, well, I know, gosh, we, we miss you. We're looking forward to having you down here to uh, 
to go to your 60 Sims and come back over the 65 hanger and get beaten pickleball. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's never going to happen, but yeah, yeah you know, good. never say never. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. yeah, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to come back. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome, Welcome to Moe's. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks so much for, for coming on, taking time out of your extremely busy schedule, not over torquing and managing a product line. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Great, great to hear that you're doing some awesome things out there and yeah. uh, shaping the future for, I don't know, what all the, these young 65 pilots are eventually going to become. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll make sure to, uh, do a YouTube series about what you learned at the school of mimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, audio. thank you. And thank you. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Gentlemen. Yeah. Always all right. Pleasure. All right. Cheers. Care, Mike. All right. See you, boy. Commander Mike Flint, 60 product line manager. Great. Great in the future for us. Yeah. Just, uh, Outfit in the 60, making sure that uh, all those Navy holes are going to be put into service. I think the most interesting number that I heard was the one, he said 127, 120, 120 so It was in the 120s, yeah. Of, of the entire fleet. I hadn't heard that number before. That was super interesting. No, and if you think about it, I mean, based on, I think, just uh, response range and whatnot, yeah. you don't necessarily have the need for as many as um, we have with the 65. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what, what we do with five aircraft, they can do with three. Yeah. And... If it means less, I'm sure in there somewhere is, um, you know, a certain footprint for, you know, some special missions that sure. the 65, as we collapse airframes and consolidate uh, supply, will yeah. be able to support there. Yeah. Um, but cool stuff. No. It's awesome to hear from, uh, you know, somebody that's been through the transition. I mean, I know the engineers do that a little bit more frequently, yep. um, but to get a perspective from somebody with like you know, 365 tours crosses over admittedly like you know it takes a, a minute to learn it but yeah. i think as we um we turn over probably a, a more junior um aviation force yep um they're those people are within their first tour coming up as aircraft commanders and at least uh, like we talked about earlier an advantage of already having like the uh the mission mm -hmm. you know being familiar with that yeah no man that was a that was a great peek behind the curtain i really enjoyed listening to that um definitely uh definitely solidified some stuff that I was kind of curious about. So, and yeah, and I, and I agree. I think, uh, I think it's interesting the Delta to Tango perspective on that. Yep. I'd be very curious to hear about somebody who did the echo to Tango. Yeah. I think that's going to be outside of learning a couple different numbers and obviously different EPs and systems. Yeah. I think some of the, um, at least the known pathways to get to menus within cast will yeah. be a, a lot simpler. Yeah. Sweet. Well, as always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks yeah. for listening. Appreciate it. Part of our 1 trillion listeners. 1 trillion listeners. Yeah. That's what's going on our OER. Yep. Enjoy uh, enjoy your football coming up this weekend. Mm. Glad that's back. Yep. Maybe a little bit of cool weather. Yeah. Pumpkin beer. Pumpkin yeah. uh, spice latte. Oh, man. We might have to do pumpkin beers in the next episode if it's yeah. cool. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Y'all take care. We out. We say goodbye, but never